You're listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. As you know, we're in our sermon series through John. Uh, We've looked at the first miracle, uh, turning the water into wine at a wedding party. Uh, then last week we talked about Jesus, um, what I call angry Jesus, whipping the money changers, overturning the tables, and confronting the organized religion of the day. And this is a pattern that we're going to continue to see throughout John. Jesus undoubtedly caused the stir when he cleared out the temple in Jerusalem at the beginning of his ministry. But he didn't immediately leave the city at that point. Uh, If we're going to read today, he remained in Jerusalem for a while, at least long enough to have a dialogue with a man named Nicodemus. It's a fascinating dialogue. So without further ado, let's look at the interesting conversation that we have in our passage today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John 3, uh, and it will be 1 through 15 in that way. And we're going to talk about the idea of what does it mean to be reborn? What does it mean to be reborn? John 3, 1 through 15, and of course it's printed in your bulletin. Um, We're going to read just the first section, and then we'll hit the other sections as we go through the sermon. Uh, Kind of a longer passage today. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night, and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We'll read the rest of those passages as we go through. Father God, thank you uh, for your word. Uh, thank you for the folks that are here today. Uh, give us a tent of ears, a tent of hearts, uh, that we may listen to your word and obey your commands. But most of all, understand what it means to enter a deep friendship, a relationship with you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Uh, as most parents do, I distinctly remember the birth of my daughter. Uh, I remember the preparations that we made for the trip to the hospital, the drive there. Uh, unlike some other people in the room here, I only had one, so it's easier for me to, to remember. Uh, and some of it's just a blur. I mean, when we got to the hospital, the rooms, the monitors, she had some complications, nurses are going, doctors are coming in and out, uh, family members are there, not knowing what to do. Sometimes you're sitting there and staring at her. Uh, at one point, she was like, get everybody out of here. You know, so uh, the anticipation, the waiting, all of that. And I clearly remember seeing my daughter for the first time and seeing the look on my wife's face when I showed her this tightly little bundled person. But the moment was not like what you would expect. See, he had a C-section and there's a problem with anesthesia. To the point where they had to give her additional drugs that made her so loopy. So I bring her, my beautiful baby over there to Larissa to see the big moment, right? Child and mother meet 
But Larissa is so drugged up, she looks over at me, she says, we have two babies? <laughs> she was seeing a little bit of double vision there, so anyway. I hate to break the news for you, it's just the one you were carrying the whole time. <laughs> now, as amazing as the birth of a child is, it pales in comparison to spiritual birth, to spiritual birth. But what do we mean by that? What does it mean when Jesus talked about the idea of being born again? Now this entered into the language of popular America, this idea of being reborn or born again in our culture, uh, in a big way, uh, when Jimmy Carter became president, he and he uh, addressed uh, everyone as being someone who was a born-again Christian. But there's so much confusion since then and during that time of what we mean by born-again. Because there's many people that claim to be born-again Christians that we see no change in their lives. And it doesn't help that we see different denominations describing or explaining born again in different ways. Uh, some say, in some denominations, that it's just living a good life and loving others. Some say it's about walking down an aisle and making a decision for Christ. Some people talk about it's saying a certain prayer. Almost to the point where being born again or this idea of being, saying I'm a born again Christian uh, that it kind of fell out of use in some ways. Number one, it began to answer something in our culture that was negative instead of positive. Number two, sometimes the phrase doesn't make sense. Either, either you're a believer in Christ or not. Either you're a Christian or you're not. Meaning there's no such thing as a non-born-again Christian, right? And so, but the phrase is important. Because Jesus himself declares that we all need to be born again. And one of the most important passages on this topic is Jesus' famous encounter with Nicodemus that we're looking at today. And Jesus doesn't pull any punches here. Telling Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So let's look at three points today. We're going to talk about the idea, and those points are in the bulletin. We're going to look at an honest question. We're going to talk about a profound answer. And then we're going to talk about a better understanding. So let's look at those today. Our first section here, uh, we're going to look at uh, verses uh, 1 through 4, the ones that we read earlier. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, a man who came up to Jesus by night, and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless uh, one is born again, he not, cannot see the kingdom of, of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So here we have uh, a man that's the leader of the Jewish religious sect called the Pharisees. Uh, now, uh, nowadays when we talk about the idea of Pharisees, we think of a, some kind of hypocrite, right? But in Jesus' day, that wasn't the case. In Jesus' day, they were seen as the authority on religion. They were seen as the experts of the Word of God. They were the spiritual leaders in the Jewish faith. And Nicodemus is one of the most prominent leaders among the Jews. He's highly respected. Uh, a common sense and a practical guy. And late one night, he visits Jesus. Now, 
um, at some point here, uh, we, we realize that there's probably two reasons why he visits Jesus at night. One may be just that he wants to have a better conversation away from the crowd than everything else that's going on. But even a better reason would be that uh, Jesus is controversial and he's confronting religious people in a big way. Being seen with him for someone like Nicodemus would be very, very controversial at this point. So in the visit, Nicodemus comes to see him at night. Nicodemus immediately gets to the point and says, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher connected to God the Father. He is saying, no one can do what you do. The miracles, the teaching, all pointing to God and not yourself if God wasn't in it. See, Nicodemus had been in the game for a while. He had seen the fakes. He had seen the, the, the hypocrites. But Jesus was something new to him. Something different. It caught his attention in a way that nobody else had. And then Jesus says to him, you're absolutely right. But there's something about you and your religious friends that you've got to know and that's missing in everything you teach and everything you do. And that is, you've got to realize this, unless a person is born again from above, it's not possible to see what I'm really pointing to, which is God's kingdom, my Father's kingdom. Jesus is saying to him, like, thanks for recognizing the point that I'm pointing to God the Father, but I'm also pointing to what God is doing outside of organized religion and establishing his kingdom. And it does not look like what you've seen and what you've been thinking about and what you've been teaching. It has to do with being reborn, which presents a problem in Nicodemus's mind. So he says, can anyone be born again that's already born and grown up? You can't re-enter your mother's womb and be, and, and, and be born again. What's all this born again from above talk? Now, here's the thing. Nicodemus is not a simple or a dumb person. It's quite the opposite. He knows that you can't physically go back in your mother's womb and come back out the birth canal. And he's saying, okay, I get it. You're speaking in riddles. You're speaking in a mystery. I will play the game. When you say that you have to experience a rebirth, Jesus, what does that mean? He's basically saying this, okay, I'm intrigued, and I want to know more. And this is, if you know about anything about Jesus in a dialogue, this is when Jesus does his magic. So let's look at point two, a profound answer. Jesus answered and said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said you must be you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. My uh, my son-in-law is a, ma a master chess player. He doesn't have the title of master chess player, but he has beaten people that do have the title. Um, and I've come to realize that if you're playing chess with him or he's playing chess with someone else, he's always thinking three moves uh, beyond the scenario with his opponent or beyond what his opponent can play. He's always thinking that in his head. By the way, I warned him if he ever starts to play relational chess with my daughter or with me, uh, that he's going to be playing a different game. It's called hide and seek, and he better have a good place to hide. <laughs> anyway, uh, now Nicholas, I mean, I'm sorry. Now, uh, Nicodemus and Jesus are kind of playing chess here. 
Jesus is saying, but you're not with me. There's something that you did not see in my first move. Let me say it a different way. Don't get stuck on the idea of what I said about you being born again as if it's something physical. I'm talking about a spiritual rebirth that comes only from above through God the Father and the Holy Spirit. He says when you look at a baby, you can tell. But the, you can see the body. You can touch it. But a person only takes uh, spiritual shape within their soul. And that is formed in a way that you can't see, in a way that you can't touch. The Holy Spirit that comes into their lives and that person becomes a spiritual being that's birthed there. So don't be surprised when he says, when I tell you, you must be born above, out of this world, so to speak. You know, you know as well as I do, Nicodemus, that the wind blows this way and it blows that way and you hear it rustling through the trees, but you have no idea where it comes from or where it's headed to next. And that's the way that everyone born of above in the wind of God, the Spirit of God, you can't see it, but it's real and it's there. Look at our quote for the day in our order of worship at the very beginning from a guy named, well, a guy named Guy Richard. It says this, many people are sitting in our pews today unaware that they must be born again. It is possible to grow up in the church and never put your faith in Jesus personally, even if you have been baptized or confirmed, like you said, whatever you call it. Have you been born again? Has your heart been changed so that you love the things of God? These are questions that we all should be asking ourselves, especially if you've been in the church all our life, lest we take the state of our souls for granted. See, Jesus is replacing the idea of religion about God with the idea of a relationship with God. As in, you can go to church, you can do all the right things, you can go through the religious rituals all you want, you can do and, and try to live a good moral life, and even like Nicodemus, you can be a religious leader and still not have a relationship with God. Which brings us to point three, a better understanding. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him like, are you the teacher of Israel and you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and, and bear witness to what we've seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you earthly things and you don't believe, how can you believe uh, what, if I tell you heavenly things? No one's ascended to heaven except for he who has descended from heaven, the Son of God, talking about himself. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. Jesus said, Nicodemus, you're a respected teacher of Israel. You're the, one of the religious leaders, and you don't know the basics about what God is trying to show his people? Nicodemus, you should know this. Listen carefully. He's saying this. I'm speaking the God honest truth to you. I speak of, to what I know by experience with God the Father. I am his son. I'm, I'm only giving witness to what I've seen with my own eyes. There's nothing secondhand here. I'm not trying to start a religion. There's no religious thought or hearsay here. But in the face of evidence, Nicodemus, you keep procrastinating with questions. If you tell me that things are 
if you tell me that things are as plain as a hand on your face, but you don't believe me, then what use is telling you things like things about God or things about heaven? If you don't know earthly things, you can't know heavenly things. And then he changes gears, which is fascinating here. He says, he tells the story of Moses and the Jewish people. And the reason he does that is this is one that Nicodemus would be very, very, very familiar with, that Nicodemus has probably talked to his people at one point. So what is he doing here? Jesus reminds him of the story of God's people in the wilderness as recorded in the book of Numbers in the Bible to set up the last part of his conversation. In this story, he tells uh, that, that what, what actually happened here is the Israelites were again complaining about to God about their conditions. They were having to eat manna every day. They were out in the wilderness. Uh, these things, and, and even though God had brought them out of Egypt, graciously brought them out of slavery, he was, he, he, he was tired of their grumbling. God sent a plague of aggressive snakes. Now, if you know me, I have a phobia of snakes. This would be my worst nightmare. But he just sends a plague of all these aggressive snakes. And the, when the people begin to die from these venomous snakes, they cried out to God for relief, and God gave them a way out. He had Moses craft a bronze serpent and put it on a pole, and the Israelites that had been bitten by the snake were healed if they looked on the metal serpent. But those that would not follow the command to look, they died. Now, there's no magic in the, the serpent on the pole. There was, there was no power in the metal that was on that pole, but it was a reminder that if they would look to God, follow his commands, and look at his provision that he was making, that they would have life. If they didn't, they would perish. They would die. But why would Jesus tell that story? I mean, why would Jesus talk about snakes in the wilderness as a part of the conversation? What is Jesus trying to tell Nicodemus and folks like us about Jesus uh, in this story? What he is telling us is, Jesus, in a similar way, would be lifted up, and those that looked upon him in faith would live. But how was Jesus lifted up like the snake? What does that mean? Jesus is talking about his crucifixion, his death on the cross. And it's interesting because the same word here for lifted up can also be used as an exaltation of a person or someone uh, and we'll continue to see this we're going to see it all throughout john that when we talk about the crucifixion he's going to follow it up every time with exaltation and the resurrection but here's the thing jesus message is very simple here he came to earth to die and to be raised and all that would see him and believe in him would have eternal life jesus knew that he would be lifted up just like moses lifted up the pole but not in the way you expect on a pole, all right, but really on a cross and humiliated. So here's a follow-up question today. Not just are you born again. Have you experienced that uh, spiritual rebirth in your life to the point where you love the things of God? But here's another question. What are your snake bites today? I'm asking what are, maybe are the bad habits in your life, the things that you know are wrong but you keep doing them. Or maybe it's suffering or problems in your life that hurt deeply 
and make you feel like death at times. Wounds that distract you from developing a relationship with God and loving others and thriving as a human being. Not only are what, what are your snake bites, but what do you do with them? Do you look to God or do you pretend like they're not there? Do you try to figure it out on your own? Do you look to others for help only to be frustrated? Jesus said don't look to yourself or to others or to organize religion to find the answer for healing. Look to Jesus high and lifted up on the cross because he knows your pain and your sorrow and he took it on. That's why he died. Let me end with this quote. It's one by a Christian leader came, uh, named Augustine of Hippo. And he said this in one of his sermons. Just as those who looked on the bronze serpent did not perish from the bites of the snake, those who look in faith at Jesus' death on the cross are healed from the bites of sin and brokenness. So what we're saying is this. Come to Jesus today. Come to his table to remind it of a healing that, that can never come from Chelsea Press, that can never come from church or anywhere else, but a deep healing that can only come through God, from God, through Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for the reminder of what you did on the cross for us. Thank you that we don't have to do it on our own. Lord, continue to work that in our heart. Lord, we are people that need to be reminded that, that there's no amount of religion that makes you love us more. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. So we depend on you. Put us in a place of vulnerability. Put us in a place of brokenness. Put us in a place of honesty and authenticity and transparency. Because that's when you work your grace and your mercy and your love. And you do all that through Jesus Christ. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.